morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. We want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online today. Glad that all of you could be here for this worship service. Now, we're studying bestseller. This is the bestseller of all the bestsellers, right? We're talking about the Bible. This is the third week of a four-week series. Now, I mentioned this earlier. If you didn't get to hear the first message, the first Sunday of this month, I want to really encourage you to go online and listen to it because it's a foundation for everything we're talking about. We learned that there are a lot of people who gave their lives so that we might have the Bible and be able to read it today. And so we want to be grateful for that. We don't want to neglect it. Now, here's what we've learned. Less and less people are reading the Bible now, although they say that people outside of the church want to read the Bible. In fact, 62% of the people surveyed who are not church said, yeah, I really need to read the Bible. I know it's a benefit to my life, and I want to get involved with it. But here's another important statistic. 87% of the people who are in church, these are churched people. These are people who know God. They say, I wish I could understand the Bible a little bit better. I hope that this series will be a benefit to everyone to help us all understand the Bible a little bit more clearly. And I hope really that you'll listen to that first message because what's happening in today's world is people are moving away from reading and studying and applying the Bible. In fact, the number of occasional Bible readers has fallen by 20% just in the last generation. That's 700 people a day less are reading the Bible than were in just the previous generation. And if this trend continues, by the year 2040, two-thirds of the American people will not be having any contact with the Bible. They won't be reading it. They won't be studying it. They won't be applying it to their lives. So let me ask you, how do you prepare for your day? You know, we all have routines, don't we? You put your socks on left foot, right foot, right foot, left foot. Which way does it go? You know, some of us are get up and take a shower first. Anybody in here do that? I've talked to some of you earlier before the service. I knew you weren't in that category. <laughs> some people like to drink coffee first thing in the morning. Before they even get out of bed, they just have somebody put it in their veins right there so they can get going in the morning. You know, that's the way some people are. Some people like to get up and run in the morning. Anybody like to run? You like to exercise? I get up and run to the bathroom and run back to bed. That's about as far as I get. Some people like to work out early in the morning. That's a good time to do it, isn't it? And maybe you can get out and walk or do something. Well, that's all, all that's important stuff. But, you know, that spiritual application to our life is important, isn't it? You know, we need to get up and make that the priority of our day. You can do the other things, too. That would be fine. But you really need to make that an important part of your life every day to just be in prayer and listen to God. Now, have you ever noticed that some people, they can call your name and you just hear them? You're used to that. You know, your mom, for example. Let's say you're in a group of a lot of people and your mom calls your name and she calls your full name. Joseph Shelby Lay Jr. And boy, your ears are trained to that, aren't they? And immediately you go, where is she? I didn't even know she was here. When I was a senior in high school, there were four of us guys. One of my buddies, his daddy owned a Chevrolet and Cadillac garage. He always had vehicles we could use. He had a great big motor home that he had traded in. And so he said, hey, y'all can take this to go to Florida 
for your senior trip. I mean, this guy had a lot of faith or stupidity, one. But anyway, the four of us get in this big motor home, and, and we, he has some family in Jacksonville Beach. He says, drive it down there and park it at his house, and then he'll give you a car to drive. He was a car dealer, too. And so we had it made. We, we parked that thing right on the ocean. When we pulled through the, the toll booth, all four of us were looking in there, and that lady looked up at us, and she said, you boys have a good time. <laughs> but we got there, and we parked, and they gave us a Cadillac to drive around. We said, you got anything else? He said, well, we got a Lincoln Continental. I said, never mind. It doesn't matter. <laughs> now, listen, here's what happened. We were there for a week. We're staying in Jacksonville Beach. I don't know it, but my entire extended family decided if I was going to Florida, they needed to go, too. So they did. They waited till I went out of town, and then they went on vacation, and they went to Daytona Beach. Now, out of that whole week, we picked one day, and this was back in the day when Disney World was kind of new. I mean, that tells you how old I am. We picked one day to go to Disney World. I didn't know it, but they picked the same day. What are the chances? I'm walking through Disney World. I get over to Space Mountain, and I hear somebody behind me say, Hello, Joe. And I turn around, it's my mother. I mean, <laughs> she's on my senior trip with me. I can't believe this is happening. So we made my granddaddy take us all out to eat, and he bought us all seafood, and then he had to take out a loan because the other three guys that were with me are bigger than I am. They, we were all football players. And, but we had a great time down there. We, we spent a lot of time. They, they entertained us and fed us. We had a blast. Now, here's my point. If you're trained to hear your mother or father or anybody in your life, your spouse, whoever, you're trained to recognize their voice. When you were dating, did you talk on the phone? You know, nowadays they don't do that. They just do this. You don't, you don't even know what their voice sounds like because they're texting each other. But, you know, Laura and I, we used to talk on the phone when we were dating each other. We, 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 I could answer the phone. I could tell by her ring that was her, right? Well, listen, how well do you recognize God's voice? How much time are you spending with him? See, if you're in love with somebody, what do you do? You spend time with them, right? So how trained are your ears to hear the Holy Spirit? And how often do you spend time? If you do that every day, if you're reading God's Word, see, that's why he gave it to us. He gave us his Word so that we would know what's important, his priorities. It's his love letter to us. It's a road map for living. It's a game plan for life. He gave that to us so we could read it and know it and understand it and listen so we could apply it. Look at the person next to you and say, apply it. That's the most important thing. That's what I want to get across today. We want to apply what we learn in the Bible. There's a lot of people that learn about the Bible, aren't there? They may have knowledge. They may be able to quote a lot of scripture. But do they apply it? To their lives. So this is week three of bestseller. We're, we're talking about the bestseller, the Bible. And, and I want you to see that it's written, the Old and New Testaments together are written by how many different authors? Anybody remember? See, if you don't remember, you need to write this down now because if I ask you next week, see, you're going to be flat-footed, aren't you? Forty different authors. Now think about that. And they came from all kinds of different backgrounds and walks, and it was written at different times and different seasons and different audiences. And yet, all of that came together, and it didn't conflict, did it? And we said there are prophecies in the Old Testament. 
Prophecies are kind of like predictions. This is what's going to happen. And a lot of those are fulfilled in the New Testament. And some of them are yet to be fulfilled. I read them to you last week at the end of the message. I told you some of the prophecies that haven't been fulfilled yet, there aren't many, but most of them have been. Now, what did we say? We said people gave their time, their talent. Some people gave their lives so that you and I could have the Bible in our hands or online or however we want to read it. And yet, we neglect it. Now, listen, when I started doing this sermon, the, the first series, the first sermon, the next week this guy came up to me, and he's about my age. He came up to me, and he said, I want to thank you for the message last week, and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I started this last week reading my Bible and having my quiet time every day, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. You, ta you taught me into it. You encouraged me. Now, really, the Holy Spirit convicted him, okay? But, but he, he was thanking me for it. And it would be a wonderful thing if everybody in here said, hey, I hadn't been doing it, but I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to start doing it. And not only that, I'm going to apply that book to my life. I'm going to practice it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to grow closer to God. I mean, you know, that would make this series worthwhile, wouldn't it? So readily available. It's God's gift to us. If somebody gives you a gift, what do you do? ain't taking that. No, you thank them for it, don't you? That's right. And God has given us a gift, and we don't listen. Jesus said in Matthew, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away, his words. You see, there are a lot of things that are not eternal, right? But there are a few things that are eternal, and his word is one of them. Now, think about the, what you spend your time doing besides drinking that coffee in the morning. What do you spend your time doing? Maybe exercising, maybe you're online, maybe you're watching TV, maybe you're doing this or that. But, but how much time are you really giving to God every day? Because he's our number one priority. See, what's happened is in this world we live, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of stuff that occupies our time and keeps us focused and just keeps us so busy. And God says, before you dive into all that, before you get involved in all that, you need to spend some time with me. You need to listen to me, and you need to talk to me. The psalmist King David said, I have hidden your word in my heart. What's he talking about? Memorizing scripture. He said, I want to learn it. I want to apply it. I want to practice it in my life. Now, what you may not know is that, that by the time people were 10 years old, the Jewish people, they would memorize the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. You know, we talked about that earlier. And by the time they were 13, they memorized all the Hebrew scripture. Okay, who wants to come up and just recite the Bible right now? Well, how much time do we have? I'll sit down and let whoever has that with them do that. Can you imagine? And yet, that's what they did. They memorized it and they lived it. They practiced it. They downloaded it. They hid it. They concealed it in their heart. And it, they let them transform. You, you know, I'm so old that when I was a kid, we used to sing a little song in church. We don't do that anymore because we're always online now. But, but back when I was a kid, we didn't have a lot to do, so we learned the Bible anyway. We could, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. See, you don't do that, do you? We do that with our granddaughter. We'll sing songs to her. Our, our daughter just kind of roll her eyes, you know, but we, we do it anyway. She said, okay, we've had enough of that. Let's do something else now. But, but that's really a good way to learn, isn't it? Now, there are seasons I've had in my life where I was consistent with my walk. There were other times when I wasn't as consistent. 
And I told you recently, I, I spent the last 20 years, I got serious about having that daily quiet time. I went to Lake Junaluska. I heard another minister speak. I got convicted. I started doing it and journaling, and I told you all about that, reading through the Bible in a year, and I've done that all these years now. And it's been a real blessing to me. When I first started out, you know, it was a challenge to me. Now, here are some things that will not help you, okay? I want to tell you these because here's why. Because some people will do these, okay? But they are not helpful. So don't go out of here saying, well, Joe said we ought to do this. No, he didn't. You just weren't listening, okay? So I'm going to give you a few of them, okay? Here are the five ways not to study and read the Bible. The first one is the Xanax approach, okay? <laughs> the Xanax approach. The Xanax approach says, I'm just going to read the parts of the Bible that make me feel better. That's the ones I want to read. And look at it that way. It's, it brings me comfort. And the problem with that approach is that somehow you're just looking for that to serve you instead of serving the God who wrote the Bible, okay? Then there's the pinball approach. You ever just take the Bible, open it up, point to a scripture and just read that, and you don't look at the context or the culture or anything else. You just ricochet around from one to another. Well, then you don't really understand the original intent of the passage of Scripture. And then there's the magic eight ball approach. Now, this really shows my age. When I was a kid, again, we didn't have a lot of stuff to do. We had the magic eight ball. And you'd ask it a question and shake it up and turn it over, and it would give you an answer. You know, it would be fascinating, right? All you old people, right? Yeah, because people are going, the magic eight ball. I don't even know what he's talking about now. Yeah. And so you would look at it, and it would be fascinating. But here's the deal. The Bible is not magic. The Bible is something that we want to provide a clear answer. But the primary function of the Bible is not just to get answers, but it's to allow God to transform our lives. I'm telling you, there are people who know the Bible. There are people who can quote the Bible. There are people who go to church every time the doors are open. But they've never really applied it to their lives. It's, they've not allowed God to transform them as a result of getting it inside of them. Now, the, there's another one, the personal shopper approach to the Bible, right? You just kind of shop around for the right teacher or the right preacher that suits your taste. But you're kind of like the pinball approach. You ricochet from one teacher to another, one topic to another, without getting any tools to actually study the Bible for yourself, and that's really what you need, isn't it? And then the last one, the Jack Spratt approach. Anybody familiar with nursery rhymes, right? This character, Jack Spratt, he would eat no fat, right? Right, yeah. And that's probably a good thing, but, but here's the thing. If you and I become picky eaters of God's Word, here's what's going to happen. We read the parts we like, but we skip over the parts we don't like. How many of you like broccoli? Yeah, yeah. How many of you don't like broccoli? Yeah, and, and you're supposed to have a balanced diet, right? So you kind of substitute something there. Well, that's kind of what people do with the Bible. They read the parts that they enjoy, the parts that they like, and there are parts of the Bible I really do enjoy. But there are other parts of the Bible that are harder to stomach, yeah, because they really convict us. And those are the ones we need the most, aren't they? Because God's word is God-breathed. In other words, we said it's alive. It's not just a book like any other book. It's inspired by God. And we need to have a balanced diet of God's word to grow into maturity. Now, you may be here this week and thinking, saying to yourself, you know, it's been a long time since I really spent time with God. I used to do that. I've gotten busy. 
It's been a long time since I've just sat and listened and allowed him to speak to me. It's a long time since I've made that a priority in my life. I need to do that. So we know that God can change our lives. He can transform us. He can make us new. And he can pick us up above our circumstances. So why do we neglect his word? If we're honest, a lot of us are marked by struggle. We're searching for purpose. And we're searching for a reason that we were created and what God's called us to do. Now, I don't like to do this. I don't like to talk about different sports people and stuff like that because I don't like to leave anybody out. But I'm going to make an exception today, and I'm going to talk about something I saw this past week. I watched a program. I didn't even know it was going to be on television, but it was on ESPN2, and it was about Bobby Bowden. It was about the Bowden dynasty. But here's why I'm bringing it up. It's really not about Florida State. It's really not about football. It was, it was entitled Faith, Family, and Football. And what I loved about the program was that Bobby Bowden, it shows him, talks about his early life. When he was a kid, I didn't know this, he got really, really sick. And he used to pray and ask God to help him get well. And, and then he prayed when he got a little bit better that he'd be able to play football because he was a little guy and, and he was still had repercussions from his illness. And he was able to do that later on. But here's why I told you that. Because, first of all, I know he's real about his faith because I had a kid in my youth group in Niceville, Florida, Rob Wilson, who works with him for all these years. And Rob was the uh, sports information director. Then he became the assistant athletic director. He spent a lot of time with Bobby Bowden. Either Bobby's wife, Ann, would be with him, or if he went out of town, Rob would be with him. He wouldn't ever go by himself. And, and here's what Rob told me. He said, hey, what you see is what you get about Bobby Bowden. His faith is very genuine. It's very real. Now, Bobby Bowden's going to be 90 years old next month, okay? And he's never been notified of his age. He goes all the time, really. But here's what he said. At the end of the program, I loved what he said. He said, well, how do you want to be remembered? You might think, well, I'd like to be remembered as a great ball player, the greatest coach, or, you know, all this stuff. You know what he said? I want to be remembered for fulfilling the purpose for which God put me on this earth. He was saying, my faith is number one, and if I don't do that, it doesn't really matter. And he talked about how he tried to be a daddy to his players, how he tried to be an influence, how he tried to lead them. They would have all the coaches and their wives and, and all the players. They would get them together and feed them. I mean, it was really a family atmosphere, but, but it began with his faith growing up in Birmingham, and it became real. Now, wouldn't that be the purpose you would want for your life? Wouldn't you want to fulfill the purpose for which God made you? Now, if you make that commitment to God's Word, that can happen. There's a few things that you can experience. One of those is God's power. That's number one. You can experience God's power by getting to know Him and walking with Him, living with Him. Hebrews says, for the Word of God is alive and Powerful. In other words, it's not just a book you read. Well, that was real good. I enjoyed that. But it comes to life. As you read it, it is living. Many of us struggle in the world with confidence and knowing what God wants us to do. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to become who God has created us to be. Second thing is, you study God's Word, it brings healing. All of us need some kind of healing at one time or another. King David cried out and said, He sent out His Word and healed them. You see, God can bring healing into our lives. Maybe physical healing, maybe relational healing. 
It may be healing from your past. There may be all kinds of things that you're struggling with. I talk to people all the time, and they're living results of what's happened to them in the past. I mean, they're struggling in life today because of all they've been through. And healing can come through God's Word. Now, third, God's direction. Proverbs says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. When I want to make a decision in life, when I need to know about direction, when I'm trying to discern what I need to do, there's no place better than to go to God and His Word. Lord, what, what is it you'd have me do? Now, let me tell you how that works for me. When I read God's Word, and I, I pray, and I study it, and I write down things, and I, I pray for my family, I pray for you, I pray for the church family every day, I pray for our staff, I pray for a lot of different things, but when I'm doing that, I'm spending time with God. Now, here's what happens. God will put, His Spirit will put a thought in my head, and I go, oh, that's good. I didn't think that up. That's, that's really good. I'm going to write that down. You know, the Holy Spirit just came through there, and that was a blessing to me, and that's the way God speaks to me. And, but I have to be there with him. I have to spend time with him. You know, you can't talk to somebody if you're not hanging out with them, right? And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be there with him. You know, what should I be doing? What, how should I be living, you know? Who am I supposed to marry? I ask God two things. Who do you want me to? What do you want me to do with my life, and who do you want me to marry? He answered both those prayers pretty quick for me. I was 21 when I answered the call, 23 when I got married. And it was a direct result of answered prayer. And then the fourth thing is God's word brings freedom. Now, that's from Luke. Jesus says, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. You know, maybe you're here today and you feel like you're oppressed. Maybe you're here and you're going through a really tough time right now. God wants you to know there's a better way to go through life, that he has freedom that's really real. His freedom can be applied in your life in a great way. You can be set free. Now, there's a couple of things I want to mention before I wrap this up. And the first one is this. God calls us to get into the Bible. We need to get into the Bible. We need to be familiar with the Bible. We need to read the Bible. We need to study the Bible. We need to apply the Bible to our lives. And Proverbs says, follow my advice, son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Tie them on your fingers as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. You ever see that commercial on TV about a bottle of beer this guy's got, and he's the dad, and he's talking to his son? Have you seen what I'm talking about? I watch a lot of sports. I guess you figured that out. And, and it says on the bottle, he said, son, I want you to remember this. This bottle, you can get a refund on this in Maine and somewhere else, you know. And he says, thanks, Dad. I really appreciate that. Valuable information, right? Well, what we're trying to do is get the Bible, you know, get into it so we can study it and learn it and benefit from it. And, and so I want you to understand that the Jewish people, they really practice it. I told you when they were 10 years old, they, they learned those first five books of the Old Testament. When they were 13, they memorized all the Hebrew scripture. And if you study it, what they did was they would write the scripture on the walls of their houses. They wanted to remember. If you go to my office, I've got these little pieces of paper tacked up on the wall where I pray and over by my chair. And it's just scriptures that I want to remember. They're, they're valuable to me. You know, I, I, they come to my mind, and I want to keep them there. And, and so I just keep them before me. And, and, you know, when I was in Navarre, Florida for 20 years, I was serving the church there. And I went and visited a church in Birmingham, the Asbury United Methodist Church. And I saw something I liked. 
there was a sign on the wall right over the door as you went in, and it said, Servant's Entrance. I thought, that's great. And then when I was leaving, there was another sign that said, Servant's Exit. So you know what I did? I came back home, and I told the church about it. I said, hey, I saw I was at this church. I saw this great sign, and I told them. It said, servant's entrance, servant's exit. And I think we ought to do something like that here, and I didn't think anything else about it. That week, I walked out and looked in the sanctuary, and somebody had made a little sign like that where you come in and where you go out and put it up. I had to be careful what I said after that. No telling what they might do, right? And they put that thing up there, and then I would always talk about the Great Commission. I would talk about fulfilling, making fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. And so one day I came in, and they had written that on the back wall of the sanctuary, fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. And I thought, well, that's not a bad thing to remember. As you're coming in as a servant, as you're leaving as a servant, to remember that's what we're trying to be. You know, it takes five to seven years to make a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ out of somebody who's not, somebody who doesn't know God. And so it's a challenge, isn't it? And that's certainly something we want to see done. They would also take parchment paper, and they would write down the scriptures on that, and, and they would just carry that around with them. They'd tie it to their wrist. They, the Orthodox Jews still do that today. They keep that scripture right. It's kind of like carrying your Bible around with you. They had phylacteries. They still use them, little boxes that have the scripture. They tie it around their heads. If you ever go to Israel, you'll see them carrying that. And it's just a way, hey, hey. Try to keep my mind and my thoughts focused on what? On God's Word. It's just a reminder to them of what they need to do to make that a priority. And then they talked about it all the time. They talked about it at home. They talked about it at work. They talked about it with their kids. They talked about it every single day of their lives. It was a priority to them. But when you choose a Bible, what do you do? You know, we use the New International Version here a lot of times when we teach or the New Living Translation. There's not one perfect one. We use different ones at different times. The main thing is get one that, that you can understand. Get one that you can read and study. Get one that maybe has some notes to explain things to you, and you can write those down. There are commentaries. You can go online. There's a lot of different things. You can ask the journalistic questions, who, what, when, where, how, you know, so that you can know more about the Bible, so you can apply it, and then you can study it in your life. Now, the psalmist says in Psalm 42, 1 and 2, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? You know, that's a great question. I want to ask you that question today. When can you go and meet with God? How long has it been since you asked that question? How long has it been since you did that? How long has it been since you made that a priority and you know that God is speaking to you? He's calling on you to make that a priority in your life today. Maybe you've been following Christ for a long time, but when was the last time you met with God or sat in silence or he spoke to you or you spoke to him? Because there's things that we need to know and there are things that he wants to impart into us. Now the second and the last thing. God calls us to get the Bible into us. You know, not only to get in the Bible, but get the Bible into us. I said earlier, there's so many distractions today, so many things that keep our attention. It's so hard for us to make this a priority in our lives. In Matthew, Jesus is talking to a group of people, and he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. 
Now, what he was talking about was when they buried people back then, they put them in tombs. And the tombs over time would get dirty. And so occasionally what they do is they go out there and paint them and make them white. In fact, when you came to Jerusalem, the way that the sun hit the, the city of Jerusalem and the walls of Jerusalem, when it was built, it, it kind of was shining. It was a, a shining city on a hill. And so you would look at it, and so they would make it white. And what he was saying is there's a lot of people who've gotten cleaned up on the outside. They look pretty good. Smell the person next to you. See how it's going, okay? Just check them out. How are they doing? Smell pretty good? They took a bath this morning? Okay. You know, we can, we can get fixed up, can't we? We look okay. We're clean. We smell good and everything like that. I mean, it beats the alternative, doesn't it? But, but what about on the inside? That's what it really matters. What's going on on the inside of our heart? What's going on with our relationship to God? That's where it really comes to be a, a priority there. And he was saying there's so many people who were living in those days, they just kind of looked like those whitewashed tombs, but there were still just bones buried in there. There wasn't anything alive, and, and there wasn't anything living in there. You know, don't just worry about the outside, but focus on the inside as well. You may say, well, I attend church every week, and I lead a life group, and I give financially, but the question is not that, but what's going on in you? What's going on inside? You know, I tell our staff all the time, maybe they have something come up in their lives, you know, and they're going to have to be away, and I say, hey, you are more important than the job you do. That's the truth. You're, you're precious to me, to God, to the people that know you, and, and you ought to realize that how much God loves you. And so if that's the case, you know, I, I want to make sure that that relationship with God is the most important thing in my life. And, and the way I can contribute to that is by studying. He saves us. We can't save ourselves. But because we're saved, we want to spend time with him, don't we? Don't we want to hang out with God? I told you how 20 years ago I got convicted. I started doing that. And I want to encourage you to do that as well. Because when you do, it, it really will change your life. Now, listen, I want to tell you this real quick, and I'm going to wrap it up. Many of you have heard and, and you've uh, offered me condolences. My father, Joe Lay Sr., died this week. He died on Thursday. He was 85 years old. Here's what I want you to know about that, and I appreciate so much your prayers and your concerns for me. My daddy was a Christian. He got saved when he was eight years old. He's an accountant. He was a quiet person. Uh, but he lived a Christian life, and, and the best sermons that are preached are the way we live, not just what we say. And so my daddy, he fell and broke a bone in his neck, and he was wearing that brace, and then he got pneumonia, and he, he had a hiatal hernia, and it would close up, and he couldn't eat properly. It wouldn't work for him, and, and he had to have oxygen, you know. And so he was coming to a place where they had called in hospice, so we knew what was going to happen. He had been at home, but now he was in assisted living, but really just a very brief time, a couple of weeks, and we had family there with him the whole time, you know. Well, here's the point. My daddy was ready to go home. He, he didn't have any hesitation. He signed the papers. Hey, hey, don't try to resuscitate me. I'm not interested in that. I'm good, okay? I, you know, I want to live as long as God wants me to, but I'm ready to go anytime. My mother, when, when she took him over there, she said, Joe, are you ready to meet Jesus? He said, yes, I am. Are you? He was ready. She got a kick out of that. And, you know, he, he lived a life for us that was an example. I'm the oldest of four kids. And so I saw that. I saw the way he treated people. I saw the way he lived. He learned that from his father when he was young. Now, listen, his father was 69 when my daddy was almost 17. He went to bed one night. 
he rolled over and had a heart attack and died. And it was really tough on my dad because he just idolized my grandfather. He was, he was an only child. That was the only child they had. I'm fortunate. Our family's fortunate. My dad was 85 years old. He lived a good life. He was ready to go. And Thursday morning at 530, he just went on to heaven in his sleep. You know, the, the, they said it could be, could be rough at the end. Could, could have a hard time. His breathing and everything. None of that stuff happened. We had prayed, God, I'm just asking to be merciful. Take him. If he's not going to get better, we don't want him to get worse. So he's ready, and we're ready, and we just release him. And he was good. He took that oxygen mask off Wednesday night. They said, you want to go to the emergency room? He said, nope. Next morning, it just played out there. So this week, I'm going to go preach his funeral. But really, he's already preached his funeral by the way that he lived. And so Tuesday, I'm going up tomorrow, and Tuesday I'll go to their home church in McMinnville, Tennessee. Then Wednesday we'll go over to Cleveland where they grew up, where some of their friends who were unable to come to the service, they'll be there. And it'll be an opportunity for them to remember him and talk and visit. He called his best friend, and they talked on the phone, and they cried together, and they told each other they loved each other. And his best friend's going to be joining him pretty soon. He was too sick to drive over and see my dad, so he's going to be there on Wednesday when we go. But here's the thing I want you to hear. And, I, you know, I'm not just talking about my dad, but I'm talking about all of us. You know, if we really make God a priority, when the time comes, we'll be ready. We'll be ready to go. I mean, he spent his whole life from the time he was eight years old walking with Jesus. And he could, probably could have lived a few more years if he really wanted to. And he'd been a little more active. But he had a good life. He was happy. He was grateful. He was thankful. And we were able to talk to him. I'm so grateful. You know, a lot of people have dementia. There's, there's so many things. People suffer. He wasn't like that. You know, we could talk to him. And when he got more oxygen, you know, he got his sense of humor back. He really couldn't process as well. But when he had that oxygen, he'd have that gleam in his eye. He could be a funny guy if he knew you. He could tell jokes and cut up with you. We always talked about football together. I jokingly said about him that he, he, his last game that he watched the Tennessee Volunteers, they beat Mississippi State. He was a big Tennessee fan. Probably best he went on home before we played Alabama. I'm just going to tell you. Sometimes it's a blessing, really, seriously, you know, and that's the way we look at it. We're just grateful. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray that we would have transformed lives. The only way that's going to happen is if we apply what we learn and what we study in your word. And I pray we would do that in your son's name.